Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to the Life and Limb Podcast. My name is Chuck Anderson. I am your host. This is episode nine of the show. Thank you for joining me. Appreciate having you here. That song at the beginning there is uh, Fugazi's song, Life and Limb. So thank you as always to Ian Mackay and Fugazi for the permission to use that song. If this is your first time listening, that song is actually what inspired the name of this podcast. So there's a little show information for you there. Uh, anyways, today I'm joined by Aaron Brink and Steve Rydell of The Hood Internet. And if you're not familiar with The Hood Internet, um, I think regardless, you're really going to enjoy this interview because it's a lot of fun and also because it's The Hood Internet's awesome. <laughs> There's my pitch. And uh, they're they're great. They're, they basically make mashups. They make really great music out of other people's music. And so they take vocal tracks and instrumental tracks and combine them to make completely new original songs. And uh, they've been doing this now since 2007, which in itself, to me, I think is a feat because on the internet, like there's a bazillion people who do this mashup stuff and a million people who try and DJ and not a lot of them see um, sustainable success and lasting success. And I think that's one of the key things that I think the guys in the hood internet have done is create something that's lasting uh, in a genre and in sort of a realm, I guess, of music and on the internet that seems so come and go. They've really figured out a way to do it. That's, uh, really always fresh and inspired and constantly creative. They've got a really wide range of music. Uh, they've, you know, they kind of come from sort of punk rock backgrounds and then they've gotten into hip hop and then from there broadened out, you know, what it is that they pull from. And, and so I don't know, like just a really wide spectrum of music that uh, Aaron and Steve, you know, love and, and where they get their inspiration from for music. And they just end up making these brand new, you know, sounds from uh, other songs that I guess in a way generally have no business being together. So they're, they're masters of, juxtaposition um, is what I would say. They, they really know how to pick, you know, two things that, that I guess you just would normally think of going together and they make it work. And it's never forced. I think they always really do a great job of making it work um, and making it into a great fit. Uh, so anyways, I actually asked them if I could get a track to play at the beginning of the show so that I could familiarize people with what they're all about. And they provided me with a song that I can't pronounce the title of. <laughs> so uh, you'll have to go to the website, uh, lifeandlimb.com, to click on the track. But it's actually a mashup of Kanye West and Mogwai. So the Kanye vocal track is from his song, Can't Tell Me Nothing, and Mogwai's song, The Huts. And uh, so, yeah, they put those two together, make one completely new thing. And this is definitely one of their more subtle uh, mashups, I, I suppose, a different arrangement of a song than usual. A lot of their stuff is a little more dancey, quicker. Um, and this one is a bit darker, um, but it's really pretty brilliant, actually. Um, just works really well together. I, I love it. So um, hope you will love it, too. So anyways, I'm going to hear that song, and then we'll roll right into the interview straight from there. So uh, yeah, without further ado, my interview with Aaron and Steve from the Hood Internet. Please enjoy. I feel the pressure under more scrutiny And what I do 
more stupidly. Bought more jewelry, more Louis V. My mama couldn't get through to me. The drama, people suing me. I'm on TV talking like it's just you and me. I'm just saying how I feel, man. I ain't one of the Cosby's. I ain't go to Hill, man. I guess the money should have changed them. I guess I should have forgot where I came from. What's going on, everybody? I am joined by Aaron and Steve of the Hood Internet from Tallahassee, Florida. What's going on, guys? Hi, Chuck. How you? It's you. Sound congested. Are you okay? Yeah. Can you tell that I'm sick? Yes. Yeah, so it seems like something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we were just. Uh, I. Uh, we were just talking about the uh, fact that this is good that it's not a video podcast because uh, you wouldn't want to see me in my state right now. People uh, who are listening to this and you guys getting over a cold too or something. Yeah, yeah, I am. I don't have a cold, but since Aaron has one and we're doing shows all weekend, I, you know, it's possible that I'll I'll catch one by the end of the weekend yeah. in your future. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys done any shows uh, where you've been sick before? And is that like the worst thing possible? Yeah, there was. You know, we did. There was that one Halloween weekend a couple years ago um, where I had a pretty bad cold, and we had we just had a ton of flights. It was like three different shows in three different cities, and. I couldn't uh, – I just had the worst sinus pressure, which when you're on an airplane is really terrible. And I remember like getting up super early in the morning, leaving San Francisco and trying to buy Sudafed at, at the Walgreens on Market Street. And they were like, no, it's too early to buy Sudafed. You have to, it was like <laughs> is it seven, behind the glass case? 
Yeah. Yeah. They were like, you have to wait until nine o'clock. That's like, really? I got to get on a plane. <laughs> That's so weird. You think the people buying early in the morning would be legitimate yeah. purchasers of Sudafed and not some drug dealers. Right. I, think I, I feel like I remember saying like, I'm not going to make meth, but that probably, if I, if I had said that out loud, they probably would have been like, well, of course you're going to make meth. Just <laughs> yeah. Set, you, you just let just, us know you're aware that the ingredients are, are found in this. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so what's going on in Tallahassee right now? You guys are, uh, on a tour right now, right? I was just looking at your Tallahassee, what Georgia's up next. What's, what's yeah, going on? We played last night, uh, at the, at the college, uh, Florida State University's college club, the club down under as it's called. It's an awesome <laughs> name. Um, and we are going to Atlanta tonight and then we're in Miami on Saturday. So how's it playing a college campus? Is that, uh, is it like college kids or is it just kind of the setting and other people come out for it? Or is it a very yeah. college-esque vibe? Yeah, it was mostly college kids. I think people could come if they weren't college, but you got in for free if you're a Florida State student. So I think that was most of the crowd. It's fun. I think we do a lot of college shows. It's kind yeah. of our crowd. Yeah. So you guys got started in what, 2007? Um, is that right? So it's yeah. been like seven years now? That's, I have to say, like, you know, for the type of music and, and what you guys do, you know, there's so many like flashes in the pan with people on the internet doing stuff and like people come and go. So, I mean, seven years to be doing like mashup music and doing like the type of stuff that you guys do is, I would say, quite an accomplishment, right? I mean, did you guys think when you started that it would be going on in 2014 still? Like, did you have any idea it would turn into what it is today? Um, not only did we have no idea that it would turn into anything, uh, or I'm like super surprised that it's lasted this long. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we, you know, we started the website as like, as, a joke. uh, it I mean, it was a joke, but also just like Aaron and I were playing in a band in Chicago at the time. And, you know, it was just like kind of a fun, like side project slash like, oh, let's, let's make these like tracks and post them on, you know, we'll put up a blog and post them and like our friends will download it and it'll be awesome. Uh, and we never intended anything other than that to happen. Like, right. and so anything that's come from this so far has been like a, a delightful surprise. Mm -hmm. And so is it true that the uh, name Huderna is from Cameron's Killer Season movie? It is true. Have you seen the movie? I have not seen the whole movie, but I have seen the intro where you found your name from. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the best part. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not missing much by not watching the next two hours. Yeah. You know what? I'm not sure that I've actually uh, finished the movie. I think that I saw like 75% of it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you... Uh, so you, I... The only reason I knew that I was looking at some other interviews with you guys and you were talking about it and it sounds like you weren't even like trying, were you trying to come up with a, with a name for this DJ project at the time? And you were sort of like on high alert if something like, you know, hit you the right way or did you have other names or like, cause I know you kind of sat on it, um, on like the domain name and stuff for a while, right? Yeah, that we, um, I was watching, well, my, my friend, uh, Jason O, who's like a college friend of mine that I've played music with uh he was the one that hit me to the video he's like dude you have to see this line of dialogue cameron delivers and like at the time we were like you know we were just like dicking around and i was like holy shit i'm gonna i'm gonna reserve that domain name right now and the hood internet like the project that aaron and i did didn't start until about six months later from that so like once we started doing that i was like oh i have a domain name for this. <laughs> 
That's so a that, pretty modern thing to like name your domain naming first and then like, oh, I'm going to name something after that. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you, that's exactly what happened with this show. I mean, I, I, the Fugazi song Life and Limb is, I'd been thinking about doing some sort of blog or something and I just, the name hit me and I got the domain name and for, I mean, three years I didn't do anything with it until I started this show. So, I mean, I know the feeling, I, I'm sure a lot of people do that. They're just like, shit, I, I can get this domain name and hopefully someday I'll utilize it or sell it. <laughs> Yeah, I w- I've been sitting on uh, tinyamplifiers.net for a few years. <laughs> I don't know is, what I'm Is .com something? Is... Uh, I, I have... Wait, what did you ask? Sorry. Is the .com of that something? Because you got the .net. Oh, no, I think I just wanted the .net because it, it flowed better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just rolls so right off the tongue. A, that was a real thought I had. <laughs> So you guys both, uh, do you both come from like music oriented families at all? Or was music just kind of something that you guys both kind of started to love, like as a lot of us do as like teenagers and, and it's just sort of everything grew from there or did you either you guys play instruments at all or what's, uh, kind of the music background for both of you? I took uh, piano lessons for a couple of years when I was a kid, um, and was horrible at it. Like I would never practice. And so, no, I definitely didn't have like a musical family. I mean, my family like listened to and enjoyed music, but no one else in my family really played instruments or was really involved in music. So for me, it was very much more um, as I got to like middle school, high school, uh, got a guitar, started playing in bands um, where I just got a whole lot more into it, started going to a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a pretty musical background, like <clears throat> my... Uh, you know, I remember like growing up and my parents were like, you know, definitely played a lot of music around the house for us. You know, like we we listened to a lot of my sisters and I listened to the Beatles a lot because that's what our parents like. But then they also went through some really like bad musical phases. Like they were real into like smooth jazz and then like musicals for a while. But we were all put we were all put through, um, you know, we were my sisters and I were like all in band. Like uh, one sister played the flute. The other sister played the clarinet. I played the trumpet. And, you know, did that for a number of years. But then uh, similar to Aaron in high school, like I I got like a bass guitar from a friend and joined a band and kind of got into the like the, you know, punk rock world of things then. Yeah. So you guys both from Chicago, right? Neither of us. Oh, you're not either from Chicago. You just ended up moving there. Yeah, I'm, oh, okay. from, uh, I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. And who's, I've, sorry, who, I got to, just to differentiate everyone, so everyone knows, like, who's who. I'm I'm Steve, and I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay. And I'm Aaron, and I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay, no, do you, Aaron, you know I just moved from Grand Rapids a few months yeah. ago? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, I'm not sure we ever ended up, like, connecting on that or anything, but, uh, yeah, so I'm from the Chicago, so you guys, are you guys based now in Chicago? I mean, are you living in, you're in Chicago now? Yeah, I okay. live in I live in Chicago. We started the group in Chicago. Right. Okay. Aaron, Aaron actually lives in North Carolina now. Okay. So you so, guys are able to do everything remotely, obviously. Um, yeah. So and and uh, where did you guys meet? You were both in bands and stuff, and I and uh, was it kind of from playing shows, and you just happened to meet. Um, we met. Uh, my my college girlfriend went to high school with a guy that Aaron was in a band with, and uh, so in college, like both of our bands kind of met up and started playing shows and then we ended up moving to chicago at the same time and started a new band with like remnant members of both of those bands okay gotcha what kind of bands were that were you guys both in um i played in a pop punk band and i was in a ska band it was you know <laughs> what were the I, names i gotta hear the names 
Well, I don't think we should talk about yeah, this. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's Well, were you in Mustard Plug, right? They're from Grand Rapids. I wish I was in Mustard Plug. <laughs> that was like the, I think for most of my life, that was like the band that I'd seen the most um, because they were on every show in Grand Rapids. Yeah. But sadly, I was not. And they still play, like, right? They're still together? Yeah, they, they play. I don't know. I think yeah. I went to see them a few years back because they played like a holiday show. Yeah, um, and it was still pretty awesome. Yeah, they just did the, they just did Metro in Chicago last fall for sure. I yeah. think they played like every year. They do the ska's not dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not. They are keeping it alive. Is it? That's like one music. Uh, that's like one genre that really. I mean, has only had any sort of resurgence on like an ironic level. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's not really come about yet. Like, kids aren't really into ska, like, like the way that, you know, it was ever popular. Uh, if it really was on a mainstream level, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I've, really... always, I've always thought of it as a music where the, like, the fans, like, stay the same age. <laughs> yeah. They right, st- right. It's, it's only going to appeal to, like, people in their, like, maybe mid-teens. <laughs> right. And then people are going to outgrow yeah. it. And so there will always be kids that age, and I think it's not as popular as it used to be, but I they still... They still there's do I mean do. there's there's some old there's some old diehards and then you have like some there are some bands like the specials that I mean at this point are like classic rock bands. right it's not even Scott at that point or at least yeah, not yeah. in like the modern inception of sort of what people think of Sky I suppose <laughs> my friend my friend Mahmoud had the best he went to see the specials uh, last fall and he had the, he did the best tweet about it that I've ever seen he was like I'm at the special show the crowd here is so rude <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's like the guys uh, like you said the old souls who are still into it like you're at barnes and noble sitting next to a you know a 40 year old dude who still got his you know checkered vans on or something like that's kind of who i picture is you know still hanging on to it um but when you get older it's harder to pick it up (laughs) not a lot of people just now getting into (laughs) just now getting into scott really um fourth wave (laughs) so was the punk rock thing big for you guys like i mean obviously kind of being an offshoot of that and you said you were in like pop punk band and stuff but like so it was more like uh originally for both of you guys like more of a punk rock rock and roll sort of thing and then did did hip-hop and like other types of music come into the fray for both of you um before you started the hood internet like were you both starting to get into that or did you sort of like um fall into kind of a whole new like realm of different types of music when you started doing that i mean i assume you already obviously had a deep knowledge of music but like did you come to appreciate it more then or have you always been into lots of different types it's weird for me i i was into hip-hop i think when i was younger like i feel like like when you're I don't know, like 12 years old, like the most punk rock thing you can be listening to is like Public Enemy or NWA. And so that was like big for me. And then I I think I kind of like backed away from that when I got into like punk rock because it felt like, I don't know, I feel like that was a time in music where you had to like, and maybe at that age, you had to like pick kind of what you're into and pick a genre. And it wasn't as accessible to like listen to lots of different stuff. Um, and then as I think I got to college, like I felt more okay with like listening to lots of different stuff. So listening to, you know, punk rock, hip hop, other stuff. And so kind of rediscovering a lot of the hip hop that I was into and then more, um, recent hip hop. And now I just like listen to a lot of different shit. Yeah. Do you yeah, get, for, Oh, go ahead. Uh, for me it was, I mean, I didn't, uh, I listened to like a lot of like kind of punk rock in, uh, in high school and didn't really get into hip hop until college. I mean, I just like I didn't sort of have anything uh, against it. But like Aaron said, it was more of a 
divisive time. Like I always, I always remember, like, and I use this as an example in junior high, it seemed like there was like a a distinct line. If you were like a Nirvana fan or like a Dr. Dre fan. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But then, you know, that, that kind of got shattered and, and, uh, in college, I, a college roommate turned me on to like a lot of like kind of Bay area hip hop. And then I just sort of like, you know, got to, it was awesome because I got to like discover all of rap starting from there. Yeah. Like for me growing up, I remember there was like a very drawn line. Like in Chicago, we had um, radio stations, Q101. You guys know Q101 probably, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they're not around anymore, but, uh, and then B96. And like for me growing up, like when I was in junior high and stuff, like there was like kids who listen to that and then kids, you know, kids who listen to one radio station or the other. And it felt like there was kind of a line in the sand. Like you either identified with kids who were into like, you know, music that was done live and and rock and roll type stuff or alternative or whatever, or you were into like rap or whatever. And, And there was such like a, such a, a line drawn, I feel like between like what those people were like, like a lot of, like, I, I don't know. I just remember it being like a point of contention, like not getting along with, people like for that, for that very reason. And I like, that's always one of the things I've appreciated about you guys or just appreciated as time has gone on, like the, the merging of, um, you know, music genres, you know, as a way to sort of like, uh, I guess, bridge the like differences between people in a way if that, I don't know if that sounds corny or whatever, but I don't mean like uh, appreciating rap rock or anything like that, but I mean, <laughs> it just seems like now more than ever, like there is just such an appreciation from all different types of musicians and all different types of fans of music. You know, there's an appreciation for different types of music. Um, yeah. So is that kind of like a current that is, is really important for you guys? Like as you, you know, are you just always looking to kind of blend like the most opposite things possible? It's not, I mean, it's not really about the opposite stuff. I mean, but I mean, you just really describe like sort of the modern landscape of music. Like it is, you know, it's kind of everyone has access to everything and can listen to everything. And the internet sort of, I think, helped usher that in with like, you know, music blogs, just kind of delivering music to people the way that they do. And we are just, you know, being fans of like almost all genres of music. um, We just try to find stuff that like, fits together like rhythmically or melodically or you know sometimes it's it's just based on a a dumb idea that you like when you hear a song and it reminds you of another one or sometimes it's like some trial and error when you're sitting down and trying to edit some stuff it's not the goal is not to like blend the most opposite things but the goal is to make a new piece that sounds cohesive and sounds like it could have been the song that we edited together right if that makes sense yeah 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 so obviously the internet has played like such a huge part in what you guys do. I mean, do you feel like, would you say that you, you couldn't exist in the way, in the capacity that you do, you know, the name aside, um, like, you know, the internet's obviously been really instrumental for you guys. So what were, what were like, where was the very first places that you started posting what you were doing back in 2007 and the, what was the reception and, and were people like, you know, getting it, you know, like what was kind of the first sort of like hood internet on the, on the internet, um, like response and experience and stuff. I think one of the first things that happened um, was, and that was kind of also, it was a weird time because that was also, I think the time when a lot of like MP3 blogs were becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it was kind of like, it's not like today where I think, you know, there's, I don't know, it's a bit more organized and there's like the kind of a system to it. Back then it was just people who were into different music, posting up songs they like. And it was a little kind of like more like wild west of, uh, 
of MP3s. And so um, one thing that happened before we had the Hood Internet up is I had just been kind of messing around with a mashup and sent it to um, Chris, who does Gorilla vs. Bear, and really just kind of liked the stuff that he was posting. And he posted that up, and uh, it was just kind of cool just to get response and have people listen to it. I think that's the goal with like any music is right. to get audience. Yeah. Um, so that was like a really cool thing to be like, oh, I can just like email this guy who does this blog I really like, and he'll post up this track that I made, and people will listen to it, and then people will comment about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which it was so immediate. Band where like you play songs and maybe you know you talk to people in an audience and you're like, well, I don't know if people liked it or I don't know if people like really got it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if the internet like hadn't existed, I don't know how we would have gotten our music out there like cdrs yeah made a tape and advertised it in maximum rock and roll <laughs> i mean like that like was it 2007 i'm trying to think like is that i mean was myspace were you guys starting off with was myspace even like yeah we had, we had a myspace page it was you know okay. it was just in, late enough that we didn't have a friendster page um, <laughs> probably for the best right <laughs> right uh <laughs> But we had a MySpace page. I remember making a Facebook page after that and being like, "Should I? Should I do this other internet site?" But most, you know, most of the stuff was our actual website. You know, like I remember when we posted when Aaron just mentioned when Gorilla vs Bear like linked one of the tracks we made. That was I was using like a really cheap uh, uh, web host, and our band like we went over our bandwidth almost immediately, <laughs> and like and like twice in a week. Like yeah. they, like we had to like re up, and then that went over to. So, so the, um, I mean, with the internet, like, did it, did you feel like stuff started taking off enough in the beginning that it was like something that you want to sustain? Like, it was like, okay, people are really receiving this well. I mean, you guys are obviously had other day jobs and bands or, you know, other stuff you were doing. Um, so like, I mean, what kind of like sped up the momentum, you know, like what was kind of, uh, what were some of the tipping points that really started making your eyes open to, like you said earlier, you had no idea that it was going to turn into anything, much less into something that people know about now. And, you know, so what were some of those, you know, if there was anything, I don't know if it was just a slow build up or whatever, um, were there any particular moments or anything that really started making you guys think like, Hey, maybe we should really start to take this thing seriously. I mean that that initial burst of of bandwidth overload um, was really you know like any any music project we had done prior to that I think was like generally like privy to our friends and like a you know a small group of of whoever would see us in you know whatever city we played but that like burst of uh, attention from the internet got us really encouraged to like make a ton more of you know like the hood internet tracks we were making and. You know, those first few months, we were posting new songs like four to five times a week, which seems ridiculous now. <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, it was really encouraging. And then around June, um, our friend Jim from the Chicagoist website was like, hey, we're doing a, a Chicagoist anniversary show. Do you want to come and do a DJ set? So I think that's kind of when we were like, oh, wow, like people are, you know, like not only are they interested in stuff like over the Internet, but like people are asking us to come and DJ. Um, was that your which, first show? That was our first show. Okay. And we did we did not know how to DJ, but we definitely agreed to do this show. <laughs> You're like, yeah, screw it. We'll <laughs> like, figure it out. We'll figure it out along the way. <laughs> how did that go? It was, I mean, we were terrible, <laughs> but it was really fun and you know, like it, we, there was, we played at subterranean in Chicago uh -huh. and we played with, there were a couple bands on the build too. 
and uh, we just like we had just finished making our first mixtape. And we literally just were like, well, we're just going to play the mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> so did you stand there and just kind of like dance by your laptops next to each other? And people were like, hey, what did both of these guys need to be up there for right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, people still ask that. Right? <laughs> we, uh, we we brought like a bunch of records and we're pretending to like put records in computers. And oh, then, no. <laughs> like, one, of the other, one of the other bands left their drums on stage. So I played drums along with the, with the shit for a while. And like, I mean, it was like uh, the Chicago Reader wrote about like, you know, like they were, they had written us like, or written up about the hood internet, you know, like what we were doing. And then like mentioned the first show, how like the bass was blown out and it kind of looked like we didn't know what we were doing, but it looked like we were having fun. And I would say that's a pretty accurate description of that show. Yeah. But after that, we got inspired to be like, okay, we're probably going to get asked to do this again. So, right, right. Yeah. So we should learn how to like DJ, like from our collection of songs on the fly and have them all available and you know not fucking clown around and <laughs> pretend to put records inside of a computer <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty organic growth though it's just like getting stuff out there someone asked you to play a show you played a show you sucked but you had fun and you figure hey we'll probably get asked again and so you start preparing and did you start like from there was there kind of like a snowball effect of like more and more and more shows um was there a big space between that first one and the next one or did you just quickly get thrust into like because the live show is such a a huge important part of what you guys do now i mean it's you know i mean it's making the the music that you make and putting it out but performing live and touring and stuff it seems to be as big if not bigger a part of what you do now than than anything else there were there were a couple other bad shows before we had a good one (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely definitely some bad ones mixed in there i think um yeah, it, it, it built kind of pretty steady from there. And at some point, like having like someone to book our shows for us was kind of a next step. We're like, oh, someone wants to like book shows and there's a market for that. I think seeing like what some other like Chicago DJs like Flostradamus were doing at the time, we're like, oh, we can try to not that we're on that level, but we can try to like do something where they where we, the people are going to like want us to go to other cities and DJ. And that was kind of like a new thing. Right. Yeah, we had we had done a few other shows around Chicago, and then that fall, by that fall, we had uh, we had landed a booking agent, um, and we did like a, a CMJ show uh, in New York with, I mean, it, it was with uh, Matt and Kim Flostradamus and uh, Art Art Brute's side project. I can't remember Art Goblins or something. Yeah, one of their so. side projects, mm-hmm. and that was when we were like, you know, preparing for that. We were like, all right, we really, we really need to step this yeah. up. Yeah, because now you're going to be around peers. You're going to be around like press fans. Like this, now yeah. it's out there. It's not just Chicago shows like goofing around anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what was that first? Uh, what was like the that first song? I think you mentioned that you sent over. Like what were what was like the first one under the hood internet? Like the very first hood internet um, track. What was that? Well, this wasn't the first one that posted up, but it was made before we had the website, which was. Um, clips mixed with clap your hands say yeah um and aaron titled it clips your hands say yeah <laughs> yes i did what, what the punny mashup title such an important element oh, yeah. yeah well people love that too it's just kind of like accepting that it's like just kind of this goofy thing and it's just fun and you're not trying too hard you know like that to me could be one of those things where you could like take it so seriously and try so hard to like come up with an artistic, like, you know, artistic name or something for the song instead of just doing like some stupid pun or whatever. Um, the, uh, R Kelly and broken social scene. That was like a, that was a pretty big, uh, turning point, wasn't it? 
Yeah, that was that was the track that like that Gorilla yeah. vs. Bear posted and kind of like turned a whole world of people, including broken social scene, uh, onto us. Okay. <laughs> so it was so that was kind of the like uh, one of the key so, you know things that you put out that really you felt like people really took to it, and then, and then actually you're saying broken social scene actually heard it themselves, and did they reach out to you guys? I had um I had left them a copy of the the first mixtape. Um, they had already heard it, but I had left them a copy of the first mixtape uh, at their dressing room when they did a show at Metro and Smart Bar mm-hmm. after Lollapalooza in like 2006, or no, it was later than that, uh, 2008. Um, and Kevin Drew like uh, shouted us out from the stage, and then we ended up. I mean, that just started. You know, we started like communicating with them after that, and like. Justin, the drummer, uh, sent us a couple beats that are on the record we made a couple years ago. And that was one of those things where like, and this has happened, you know, a number of times where people that we have used in mashup tracks, uh, have reached out to us and been like, Hey, I, I love this. Uh, this is really awesome that you did this with our music. Cause I've, you know, I think of it sometimes as like us making fan art for bands. Sure. Uh, and so occasionally like, you know, we'll hear from them and, and they'll really like it, which is, you know, it's nice to kind of use that as a means of, of communicating with other musicians, yeah. like as that as the starting tool. Hmm. So, uh, you know, with broken social scene, like being like a, you know, they're an indie band and whatever. I mean, like I can understand them seeing that and, and digging it and stuff. But then of course you have R Kelly on the track that you put on there. Um, and you know, a question that I had, I know some of the other people I've mentioned about doing this interview on Twitter asked about, I know you guys have been asked as well, but, um, kind of the fine line of, you know, sampling versus what some people might call stealing. Um, have you, you know, towed that line and, and found, you know, have you had any trouble with like any of the stuff that you've done basically? I mean, have you had like cease and desist from record labels or had any issues with that stuff before? Not really. It's it's been kind of weird. I think early on we expected that because I think that was a time where I don't know a lot of um, artists and record labels were being pretty pretty harsh about taking stuff down on the internet. Right. Um, not kind of sure what I, I think the whole business model was changing and they weren't sure what to do with that. Um, occasionally we'll get stuff taken down um, from various like SoundCloud or, um, maybe like YouTube or stuff like that. If they kind of do a sweep and just, you know, putting keywords and take stuff down from certain artists. Mm -hmm. But I think generally, you know, at least my sense of it is that we're not, we're not selling anything for one and two, we're not giving away versions of people's songs that exist. So I, I don't think we're hurting anyone's bottom line. I also don't think we're like operating on such a big scale, um, that that it's that anyone's gonna you know pay a big deal of attention to us so i don't know i think in this day and age bootlegs are just seen as part of the promotional world i think record labels embrace it a little bit more um unless you're prince you're not shutting that stuff down (laughs) okay so we we don't sample any prince i think that would probably be a problem for us he will sue us (laughs) we did sample prince on the um don't tell him (laughs) do you want me to put a like a beep (laughs) you want me to put a little beep over that part right there (laughs) i'm not going to actually remember to do that so just so you know that is going to stay in um You know, it's funny though. I just, there's a lot of people and especially in the world that I'm very much in and in like the design world, like people are so touchy about, like if you basically did what you guys are doing with other artists work, 
Um, you'd have to be so forthright that it was like a tribute and that it was only meant to be because people are so, so super sensitive. Um, and so like, I know, uh, people in the kind of more visual, uh, creative world are, are very, very, um, you know, just very sensitive to that stuff and very sensitive to like borrowing or, you know, remixing or reusing stuff. But like I said, I mean, I think if it's a clear tribute or a clear, you know, credit to who the original creator is, that's usually not as big of a problem. It sounds like that's kind of what you guys have kind of bumped into, I guess. I mean, we've always been very transparent about like, you know, every track we have like absolutely mentions who we're sampling, you know, in in very, in very large print. Right. it's, I mean, with visual art, it's so different. Like when, you know, like when Urban Outfitters steals someone's design and puts it on a t-shirt and puts it up for sale, like that's fucked up. But, you know, like we are definitely, I feel like, again, like kind of using the fan art thing, like we are paying tribute to these bands mm-hmm. by all means. And it is, you know, like, you know, the difference between sampling and stealing is is still a question mark because sampling is stealing, but it's also like, you know, a very recognized, you know, art form in music. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I totally, I totally get it. And I think, you know, the way that you guys have gone about, it's the right way to go about it. I mean, and there's, you know, you're not without peers. There's plenty of other people doing similar things and sampling is such a huge thing in music. Anyways, it's not like people don't get the concept or anything. Um, so it's not exactly a brand new thing. You've just kind of taken it and put it up, um, as, kind of the hero of what you guys do as opposed to it being like the background of something and then someone's like rapping over it or, you know, using a sample and like a little snippet of a song. You're just kind of blowing that concept out completely. Um, but, uh, hey, so I wanted to ask you though again about touring. So since you guys are in, um, you know, since you guys did that, those first few shows and then, you know, you started deciding to take it more seriously. Eventually you did Lollapalooza. Um, and now, you know, since then you've done like a lot, you know, you've just done a lot of big shows and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of tours and everything. So what's been, um, you know, the, to- like the touring life, I suppose, like how, how often are you on the road? How would you say it compares to, uh, when you guys played in bands, you know, now that you're just, de- or do you just pretty much have your laptops? Do you have a lot of gear? Like what's the, what's the setup like when you're, when you're traveling now for playing shows as the hood internet? It's a lot, it's a lot easier than traveling as a band, um, which is one thing that's nice about it. So we don't have a whole lot of gear, everything we need. We just, you know, it's mostly laptops and we just carry them in our backpacks. And so that makes it easier. And with it just being the two of us, or, you know, oftentimes if we do a live show, it might just be one of us doing it. Um, it's just easier to get from place to place. So, uh, like a tour like this, like where we're going from Tallahassee to Atlanta to Miami, if you're in a band, that would be kind of horrible routing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really long ride. Like you'd be like, why, why did you not find some place in the middle of Florida to do between those? Um, but for just the two of us with minimal gear, um, you know, it's feasible to do some of that driving, some of that flying. So yeah, a lot of times it's, it's doing, you know, flying in for, you know, a couple of shows here and there. The other thing that's a little different is that I think with bands, um, I think it makes a little more sense to do shows like all week long. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll do that if we'll go on a longer tour um, but I think what we found is that, I don't know, Monday night isn't necessarily a night where people want to go get their dance on. Right. Yeah. So we tend to do, we tend to do more like kind of Thursday to Saturday runs and that kind of works better for us. So yeah. we do a lot of that. We'll do, you know, usually a handful of shows a month. We have done some touring, like, uh, last spring we opened for the band Black Moss Super Rainbow and that was like a, you know, almost every day of the week kind of deal. And 
on that tour, we did have some additional gear, you know, other than laptops. Um, we had a friend, I used to be the art director at Metro and Smart Bar. And at the time, the lighting director, uh, Morgan, who, you know, he kind of like saw that hood internet was a thing that was building. And he was like, if you want me to like build you some lights, I'd be interested in doing that. So he made us these like these custom like uh, LED boxes um, that he kind of designed the pattern for and programmed these just these like beautiful things and made them completely portable that we could either put them in cases and bring them in a car or if we really wanted to get crafty, like fly with them, which was like a little, you know, some extra luggage fees. But uh, those are, you know, something that nowadays, like when we bring them to shows, we can like sync up with what we're doing. So it's kind of nice to like, you know, instead of loading in, you know, a bunch of drums and amps, like if we have to load anything, it's just some lights. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, I mean, do you guys, obviously the two of you are, are good friends, um, with like, and, but just touring with one other person, I mean, do you guys like, is it exhaust? Do you find it exhausting or you're not playing enough shows at this point with enough heavy travel for that to, you know, to, for, to get sick of each other? Like how, how important is like the relationship between the two of you to what you guys do? Like both, both touring and playing live and also making the music, like, is, is it, you know, work to keep the relationship like, you know, good or is it just, you guys are good friends. So it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of work. I think it's actually like kind of extended our friendship because not long after this started, um, Aaron started moving around to a bunch of different cities. So this is something that like kept us, you know, like working on stuff artistically and, uh, it just kept us in contact. And now we, we, I mean, I see Aaron more than I see people that live in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely different than like being like back when we were in a band together where, you know, we'd see each other a whole lot and we'd have, you know, practice, you know, several times a week. And then doing shows and being in the recording studio and stuff like that. So I, I definitely see less of Steve, but like when I do, it's, you know, it's, it's for like a run of shows and it's really cool to get to do that. And we're, you know, always in touch otherwise. Mm-hmm. When you, you get, know, oh, go ahead. We don't, like, we don't like get in band fights or anything like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So when you guys are working on making music, like, do you, is it one of your, of the two of you's responsibility to, um, like, do you both throw ideas into a, a hat together and kind of like toy around with different stuff? Like who is responsible for the conception of, of what you guys make and p- picking artists or picking the mashups and like, where does that all begin? Um, it's, it, it varies. So I think most of our kind of like day-to-day regular stuff that we we'll, might post on our website, like mashup type stuff. Usually that's just one of us working on it. Sometimes, you know, we'll run it by each other and get feedback. Um, but usually that's something that you can do kind of on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, I won't have heard something until Steve, you know, throws it up on our SoundCloud. Um, and then it's more kind of involved stuff. Like if we're doing a remix for someone or if we're working on some, like doing a beat for, you know, a different rapper or doing some of our more original material, that's stuff where we'll send it back and forth. Or when we do meet up, we'll kind of work on it together mm-hmm. between shows. Um, so it's really nice that it's, it allows us to be able to do a lot of it autonomously, but also to be able to collaborate pretty well. Um, and the internet has helped with that, certainly, that we can send stuff back and forth real easily. Yeah, if you, like, remember the the press story of the, the band The Postal Service about how they, like, mailed each other CDRs, and yeah. that's how they, like, you know, got their project started. That is essentially, like, how we work on those projects where we're both, except, you know, we don't have to mail CDRs because the internet is fast mm-hmm. and we can just upload stuff to FTP. Right. That would be so weird if we still like emailed CDRs. Yeah. Like I got this track. I'll be there in a couple of days. <laughs> out. 
It, yeah, it's funny to think that wasn't even that long ago that we would have had to be that way too. And so we're not we're talking about like 20 years ago, like, you know, it's not that long ago that you would have had to do that. Um, but so, I mean, I, I think that's, that's crazy. Like there's a lot of trust there, obviously, between you guys. You said that one of you might be working on something and the first time the other one hears it is once it's live for everybody else to hear. Um, so, you know, very candidly, I'm curious, like have either of you ever done anything and the other one heard it, whether it was live or whether you just sent it over for the other to hear. And you were like, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about this one, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel that way about some of my own tracks that I do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the nice things about doing this kind of work is that, you know, it's not like we have to like decide on this is going to be our 12 songs for our record. That's going to be on a physical format. And we want to make sure it's just right. Um, there's a lot of freedom, especially early on, there was plenty of freedom to just like, you know, throw something out that's just kind of an experiment and there's some stuff that's working and some stuff that's not. I think we try to, you know, be a little bit more, do a little more quality control, um, as we're posting less, but, uh, no, I, I don't think there's a lot of pressure to like, it's just like a, it's, it's just like a post that we throw up. So I've, I've right. never felt like, oh, Steve, why did you do that thing to that song? This is totally going to ruin us. Like there's no, there's no, nothing's like really riding on any individual track that we make. Yeah. I, think, I think the only like real bad run that we could both acknowledge is, um, you know, the, the Kid Cudi song, Day and Night. Yeah. We had a we had, we had a really unsuccessful run. I'd I'd mix that with a with a Cornelius song. Okay, and it, I did it in the wrong key. And Aaron, you did point you did point it out. You're like, oh man, you missed the key on this. It should be like two steps down. And the, but the internet already hated it way more. <laughs> Got all these mean comments. So then Aaron took the same Kid Cudi uh, acapella of that song and mixed it with the Bon Jovi's "Living on a Prayer." <laughs> And, oh no! I think I did it the other way around. I think I mixed the instrumental from the remix with Bon Jovi. Oh vocals. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh god. Oh man. <laughs> and it became like kind of a running joke that we see, like how how much can we like troll our audience? We played that song at a show <laughs> once, and someone just like walked to the front of the stage and like held his thumbs down. <laughs> and that's such a part of it, like what you guys do, like how you know how your audience perceives it. Like, are they going to get it? Like, if it's a joke or if it's supposed to be tongue in cheek, like, are they going to understand? Then you just kind of cross your fingers and, and hope that they know you're doing it sort of in a, a non-serious way. <laughs> right. And I mean, some people get it and some people don't. The the sort of the culmination of that joke was we took the Kid Cudi acapella and put it over like a 17 minute track by uh, Sun O. <laughs> oh, nice. And, and then that was like, I don't, you know, I don't think we would try to play that at a show. I don't, I don't think anyone would get it. So. No, that but, actually you know, works like, though. I can, I can see like his kind of slow, you know, verses over some Sun O, like just very, very slowly. I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you can see it because it definitely, <laughs> it definitely did not work. <laughs> yeah, probably not. You should speed up some Sun O and then like and just see how like quick you can make it and just to totally change it from being the slow burn that it is to something else. Um, so one of the things I want to talk to you guys about that's obviously been such a huge part of Hood Internet is all the artwork that you've that you've done, like from everything from like mixtape covers to individual track artwork that you guys put together, stuff that you photoshopped together, like, um, you know, collaborating with other artists. Like you've worked with myself before. We've done a couple, a couple, uh, things together and you guys have worked with some other, uh, some other artists as well. And I was just kind of curious, like who are some of those other artists that you've worked with and, and like, what's the importance of the visual side of things for what you guys do? 
Well, we, you know, when we started the website, kind of like photoshopping the artists together that we were working with became like a, a component of of what we would do. You know, it was the artwork for the track or like the promo photo of the of the pretend band that we've just created. Um, and that, you know, like people really enjoyed that. And uh, but with, you know, with like, at, you know, releases, you know, mixtapes and other things, uh, I've, you know, like I've definitely had a big background in art. Like I mentioned before, I for five years, I was the art director at Metro and Smart Bar in Chicago. And, uh, you know, music and art have always had a huge intersection, um, you know, just in general. So we've worked with people like uh, I mean, we've done some awesome stuff with you. You were one of the first people we worked with on the uh, on the Chicago mixtape. Yeah, yeah. That was a long and time was, ago. Yeah, it was. And it was awesome to, you know, sort of like collaborate in the sense it was it's almost, you know, similar to, to making the kind of music we were doing that like we would we sent you like part of what was, you know, part of what we had worked on. And then you have, you know, you would take it from there. There's been other people we worked with when we played Lollapalooza in, in 2009. There's a great artist from Chicago named Joe Miller, who we had like kind of build us a stage set. And he made like kind of this giant like Apple II E keyboard um that had like some you know like kind of uh some lights that would light up in the in the disc areas and the whole intro to the set was that we brought out these these old school diskettes and like put them in this giant computer <laughs> and uh you know that was really cool and it kind of like the the imagery of like old technology has always been really fascinating aaron had done this thing for our first mixtape which was like like a kind of a commodore style computer yeah. with boombox speakers on the side and uh, I always I, I really love that image. It's still kind of like a tiled background image on our website. And for the, the most recent uh, mixtape we did, we had uh, Steph Bomb from Chicago. She made like this plush version of that boombox. Uh -huh. And then uh, our friend Clayton Hawk, who uh, has always done a lot of photos for us, he took some photos of it and just put it on a real like kind of stark, like off white computer colored background. Yeah. And that was a really cool project. Um, who else have we worked with? Joe Van Wettering, uh, who uh, is a, a guy that works at Threadless, he, um, for the remix record, and you worked on this as well, Chuck, uh, he did like a, a woodcut, like a laser woodcut. Of, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of, uh, for the remix record that we put out in 2012. And that was a really fun project because he did that. And so we had this actual like physical piece of wood that had the hood internet carved out of it. And then... Uh, Jonathan Crawford in Chicago, like took some photos of it, you know, using some different backgrounds. And then we sent it to you to, you know, like to do the no, to add the no pattern filter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this button I have just yeah, like click it. I assume. <laughs> um, but you know, like, like I said, music and art has always been a huge intersection and the, the Photoshopping of bands together is fun stuff, but, uh, it's uh, doing that other, you know, like doing the the artwork for releases and uh, collaborating with other people has just been a huge a huge joy. Yeah, well, it's a super fun uh, type of thing you guys are already doing. So I think, like, you know, when an artist, a visual artist, gets a chance to work with a musician, you know, I know from my experience doing that, you know, there's already sort of this built-in energy and sort of like, uh, you know, you can you, you sort of visualize what what you're hearing is supposed to look like, or at least take what, you know, they're giving you, um, from a creative direction standpoint and kind of like bring it to life. And so, I mean, you guys have a good foundation for that already. So it makes sense that like all the artwork has been such a big, like a huge part of it. Cause obviously like, you know, it's the internet, like, yeah, people are going to hear something, but you know, there's going to be something to visually represent it too. Um, 
And so it's kind of cool. You you it, you guys also don't have like a um like a set sort of defined look. Like everything's sort of different from from record to record. Like you're not trying to um, aside from sort of the the typeface that you guys use, it seems like there's not really necessarily needs to be like a thread between everything. It's kind of constantly changing, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's similar to our music. You know, we use lots of different stuff. So we like collaborating with different artists and yeah. having different looks for all our releases. Yeah. So the, um, the all our work for that and all the Photoshop stuff for that, um, let's kind of talk about something completely different, but it does relate back to Hood Internet in a way. Um, and that's Album Tacos. Um, tell us about, tell me about album tacos. Um, album tacos. It's, it's good that we're in Florida because this is where it started. Um, we the were home in, of album tacos. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing it. We were doing a weekend of shows in Florida a few years ago and, uh, someone from Pensacola had like just tweeted at us like, so excited for the show in Pensacola. And his Twitter avatar was, um, Pink Floyd's dark side of the moon. But instead of a prism, there was a taco. <laughs> it may have been a chalupa. Yeah. And this is the kind of, I mean, this, that's the kind of like, you know, humor that resonates with Aaron and I, like, it's just kind of stupid and amazing. Um, so Aaron just said, he was like, what if we made a whole website of that? So that was all we did the rest of the weekend, like kind of like backstage, you know, in the hotel backstage, like up until the minute we had to go play, we were just like Photoshopping, you know, like, you know, Beck's Odelay and like Buzzcocks records and all, you know, just like replacing all these things with tacos. And we started a Tumblr um, and just threw it up on the internet. And by like Monday, yeah, it was pretty. It quick. blew yeah. up. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember I did a couple. I did a couple, and I know there's like a lot of other artists and stuff. People just like that you would never expect to take ten minutes out of their day to do this completely dumb, stupid thing just <laughs> yeah. for the hell of it. Yeah. And, but it, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those like single topic, like tumblers that, you know, like we weren't the, we weren't the people to invent the idea of that, but then we, we did invent that particular, uh, that particular zone. And it was awesome. Like when we opened up submissions on the Tumblr, how many great things came in, Hell like yeah. a, a lot of really bad ones came in, but then a lot of really, really good ones came in. Yeah. <laughs> Where you had to have been like, Oh my God, like that had to actually have taken like some legitimate time to work on and Photoshop that in there. Cause it's. Like someone holding it, like the fingers are perfectly cut out around a taco, <laughs> like not just slapped on top or anything like that. And then like uh, there were a couple people that like did the same one. I remember I feel like there was a dude that did a, a, one of the Black Flag records and he like couldn't believe that someone else had come up with it before. <laughs> him. I was like, man, we're in a pretty specific like, uh, <laughs> you know, joke scenario here. Right. I, I feel like you should understand that someone may have thought of this before you. <laughs> Well, then people are trying to do the kind of the most obscure, like cult classic records. Like I know you had like uh, recently or somewhat recently, like the minor threat out of step was on there. Like there's obviously kind of a, a, a type of person who gravitates towards this stuff. Like it's, you know, with the Internet, it's sort of like a, a show off your deep knowledge of of music or whatever. And that's like a perfect outlet to, to sort of mock um and uh sort of graffiti in a way like some of the best album covers or whatever but to go into the into into the crate to sort of find some old stuff that you know there's only a handful of people you think would normally know about it is probably one of the goals people have you know like oh i'm gonna get credit for picking out this one super random old you know buzzcocks record or something like that that no one else knows but you kind of get the uh yeah, I mean, it, it was absolutely, it was more humor for, like, music people than it was for, like, taco fans. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so the speaking of that, though, I mean, like, this is one of those things, I, the last interview I did, 
um, or not the last one, a, a couple interviews ago I did with my friend Benjamin. Um, ben and I do thebrilliance.com. And uh, one of the things Ben and I always would say was, if you do something, something will happen. Like just that simple of a quote, just if you do something, something will happen. Um, and it was kind of just like, a, you know, like the just do it, just just do something, see what happens. Like you're never, you're, you will never know if you don't try. Um, and so you guys did this album tacos thing. And I remember um, your email to me that Taco Bell had reached out to you, right? That's yeah. So this is like a perfect story of like just coming up with a dumb idea um, that you, you know, have no intention of actually going anywhere. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, uh, what, so what was that all about when Taco Bell reached out to you guys? Well, so they have like a, a program um, called Feed the Beat where they like what, what they what they say is like we provide tour support uh, to bands in the form of Taco Bell dollars. So you know, <laughs> they, they get they use the phrase tour support. So they're like in on it, you know, like yeah. um, and really it's just to fucking get their name out there. But uh, so they did send us, you know, and like 100 other bands that year, uh, five hundred dollars in in Taco Bell gift certificates, mm-hmm. which is which is probably OK for like a band that has a lot of people. But for the two of us, <laughs> yeah, way too much Taco Bell. <laughs> so we had like. I think we used a little bit of it and, you know, we, we used like $30 of it or so. And I was you know thinking like, do we really, do we really want to eat this much Taco Bell? Like just us. Like, yeah. Then it's it. not a question of like, Oh, free, free gift cards. It's a question of your health at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, we were, we were willing to sacrifice. Obviously, <laughs> we, had, we had already spent a few bucks, but, um, we, we ended up taking the rest of it. And just um, going to the, the Taco Bell on Clyburn in Chicago, and we had to call ahead to do this, but we bought $460 worth of tacos. We took the rest of the certificates we had and uh, just bought like a bunch of regular tacos and a bunch of the volcano tacos with the red shells. And uh, we went to a photo studio in Chicago and used them to like make this giant hood internet logo, basically like uh, on a white piece of paper we we used these tacos and laid them down and surrounded the words the hood internet so the hood internet was sort of knocked out in white uh of these you know like of these tacos and uh took a photo of it which we used for the cover of our kind of first collection of like remix and production work but that was we took the photos of it and then we sent them along to you and you sort of like made this beautiful like purple background so it kind of looked like these tacos were like flying through space yeah yeah, beautiful is one way to put it yeah i was just like what the hell am i gonna do with this i remember you guys sent that image over and i was like all right like uh see what we can do to pretty this thing up you know like i remember seeing it you sent me the pretty high-res photo and there's like like crumbled shells and like some cheese shreds sitting around it's like all right. I don't, I, I don't know if I sent you the photo of what the paper looked like after we took all the tacos <laughs> off. I can imagine the, the leftover grease. It was like disgusting and kind of amazing. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, Maybe that should be the next cover of our. Cover. <laughs> so, but I mean, so I think what's really interesting, what I kind of wanted to tie together with all this, is just it's really fascinating, and you know, like I feel like a lot of the audience for this show. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly yet who is listening, like what types of people, but I do know that there's a lot of like creative types or people who do their own thing or, you know, freelance or do something at, you know, just kind of moonlight as, you know, an artist or whatever. And I think one of the coolest takeaways of that, like as silly as that all is, is like you did that, you, you had this idea, this album tacos thing through that, like Taco Bell ended up contacting you guys. You use that to make an album cover for what is your kind of main thing with the hood internet. Like, 
like you did this side project that fully came around like full circle to directly affect your main sort of bread and butter, right? Like, and you probably, there's no way in, in hell that you could have ever imagined. <laughs> like you can't yeah, just was, make that, that up. Of, that was not part of the business plan. <laughs> right. No, not at all. But I think it's that spontaneity that I think is such a great part of kind of the, the, that story. Like it, it, you did this other thing and like with no expectations whatsoever, it ended up benefiting and like you ended up having a ton of fun with this totally, completely random project at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's really like a big way of how we've approached it throughout the time we've been doing the internet. I think, you know, our, our approach is just to, at least I know for me, like, I'm happy if I'm just able to kind of give back a little bit of entertainment to the internet because I feel like the internet gives me so much entertainment for free. Yeah. And yeah. so if we can do something that's, you know, even if people just like kind of check out Album Tacos for a minute and they're like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like, I feel I feel like I'm doing my, my part to try and like even that balance because so many people are doing so much cool stuff. And I think going into that mindset, you know, there's not a lot of expectations. If you can just make something that people are going to enjoy and not expect that like some huge is going to come out of it yeah um, anything that does come out of it and if we're able to kind of tie it to other stuff we do is just kind of a, a cool bonus right yeah <laughs> yeah it's just like having no expectations and just doing stuff for fun like you just you know cross your fingers and hope something cool comes out of it a, a quick side note on that i was in we had done a show in denver and uh after like we finished early and went to go see russian circles playing at a bar across town and uh, in the basement, Paul Romano had an art show going on. And so we had gone down there and you know, he did the, the artwork for Mastodon's Leviathan, which you did an album taco for. Yes, I, that's right. I had this to him and he had already seen it, <laughs> which was like, I was like, Jesus Christ, like that's how fast the internet works. Dude, it's amazing. Yeah, one of the first ones I did, I don't know if it was the first one or whatever I did, a, one of the ones I did was for Converge's uh, Jane Doe album and... Um, I don't remember what other ones I did, but I always really liked uh, bringing in like a metal album or whatever, um, which I was going to ask, by the way, on, while we're kind of on this note, have you guys, because um, obviously like with your backgrounds in music and stuff, and now people know you more for like kind of dance and like electronic stuff and hip hop and all that, but you guys obviously like you you know, are talking about Russian circles and Mastodon and, and like, have you guys thought about or considered or have you already done anything that incorporates metal or hardcore um, into any of your stuff that you've done over the last several years? And if like, I, mean, I can understand it not working or coming off too uh, limp biscuit E, you know, if it's like heavy guitar riffs with like rapping or like anything around it, but um, have you, have you gone into that, into that uh, realm at all yet? Yeah, I think I mean Limp Bizkit does make it a little hard. <laughs> they they ruined a lot of. They things. do do. They just completely ruined it. Yeah. yeah ruined <laughs> well, there's a lot of bands that, that ruined it, really. But they ruined the framework that like the Judgment Night soundtrack had set up to be like a really cool world of collaborations. They like they kind of just Limp Bizkit and you know other bands like that kind of destroyed that. But we've we've still and anytime we have done some stuff, we've sampled like some Pelican and some Slayer. And it usually does end up sounding a little too like rap rocky. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not something we're gonna like break out at a, a club show. Yeah, I think that's what's tough. You you could you could almost do like something that like an album or some sort of mixtape just exclusively with that. But I still find like it might be kind of just a hard listen. You know, like it's not. I don't know. <laughs> there was one we did we did like a five song EP of all uh, Walk a Flock of Flame tracks with like kind of some some harder stuff. Uh, and it was like, it, I mean, it was like, it was cool, but it did like kind of get into that 
questionable rap rock song. yeah and even still now like i don't know if you guys watched the grammys or snl like last week or whatever but like kendrick lamar and imagine dragons like yeah. i don't know man like i like i like kendrick lamar and stuff and uh, you know but as soon as he comes on over like the music they're doing it just it goes into this like macho aggression that just doesn't it doesn't need it like both music types are already aggressive and then it combines to form this like ultra macho aggressive like just over the top sort of this sort of thing. So I just, maybe just doesn't really work at the end of the day. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I love hearing you guys like talk about all these different types of music, but ultimately know kind of what works best for hood internet, hood internet instead of like forcing these things. Um, yeah, so, that's what, I mean, that's certainly one thing we've learned along the way. Like if you're, if you're really trying to force a track to happen and like, it's not taking then you just sort of have to let it go because yeah. it's it's probably better that it doesn't exist if you're if you're forcing it <laughs> yeah right right um so just really quickly i kind of want to wrap this up with a handful of questions for you guys um and uh just kind of like a quick you know off the top of your heads thing um do you have any uh favorite albums of 2013 or 2014 so far um or any songs that you've got in mind that you're like really excited to make a track with my my favorite record of 2000, uh, 2013 was uh, Dark Side Psychic, uh, a Nicholas Jar and Dave Harrington record. And so far, my favorite record of 2014 is uh, Mogwai Rave Tapes. Cool. So both good choices. What about you? I don't know. I have I have the hardest time. It's, like, it's sometimes that's, sometimes that's a really overwhelming question. It is. Really, it is. Yeah. Well, how about anything that uh, you guys have in the works right now, like from something just like pretty recent that you're working on putting out from like a, you know, one of your favorite albums, like, or do you end up just kind of digging in stuff that wasn't necessarily like a favorite album? You almost don't want to like taint it or something. Um, we, well, there, I mean, there are some, there are some things that we have like acapella tracks we've gotten a hold of that there are things we don't want to taint. Like <laughs> sometimes like a Nirvana acapella track will come your way and you're like, I'm not going to fuck with this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's like, uh, we, there's later uh, this year, we'll have a, a queen acapella coming out, which is going to be nice. This <laughs> is a queen acapella. That's uh, pretty epic that Aaron's been working on. All right. I'll look forward to that. Is that, uh, it- is it a Bohemian Rhapsody thing or is it something else? It's a it's Queen and David Bowie. We can't say any more about okay. that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We can't decide what that is. <laughs> um, all right. So what about? Uh, well, I won't put you on the spot again with the favorite uh, album thing. I was going to ask you guys um, since Chicago is such a big part of uh, of you guys and what you guys do. Um, any Chicago restaurants, venues, places in particular uh, that you would recommend people who are swinging through Chicago check out? Um, in Chicago, uh, well, man, there's, I, <laughs> I love so many places in Chicago. Yeah, like, where'd it even begin? I mean, so there's this Olive Garden there. Up in Evanston. Right. <laughs> it's not really in Chicago. That's proper. the real Chicago. <laughs> I mean, Empty Bottle, Hideout, Shuba's, Metro. This, I mean, Chicago is just a, a wash with great venues. Yeah. Um, did you guys ever, uh, were you guys around for the fireside bowl? I saw some shows at the fireside. Okay. Uh, I used to, I went to school in Madison and, and we would like some friends and I would drive down for shows. And then the first few years I lived in Chicago, there was still shows going on there okay. pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty great venue. Oh man. I miss it. That was like the place I would like the one place I would go to some 
shows when I was in high school. And I still think if that venue was around, like I would definitely still be going there for like for stuff because it was just always such a fun, weird place to to see shows like you're watching you know one band you know watching some band and then look over and there's like bowling alley right there and just like just so weird but it was such a good place to see see stuff um hot dogs is you know a very very classic chicago hot dog place that is uh you know like does a really good interpretation of the uh, variety on the theme you know there's just a bunch of different kinds of hot dogs there's some standards that are on the menu like classic stuff but then like just wildly unique hot dogs that change up the the chef uh doug Sohn is like an amazing super charismatic person he's always got great records on in the store and uh it's just like it's just it's an experience of like waiting in line getting a hot dog sitting down like talking to doug sitting down and eating that's always been one of my favorites when i first moved to chicago i lived in roscoe village and it was like right around the corner from my place um and i still like i you know i don't go there as much as i used to because i don't live on that side of town anymore but it's always a a delight to go in there yeah it's a great place i've only been there like twice since i've been back in chicago now but uh i mean yeah there's a reason it's (laughs) it is what it is yeah permanent records on chicago is a a really great record store uh that i love chicago on chicago avenue just near ashland um that's a really good spot aaron you haven't lived in chicago but in in a while, but you still you must have some some favorite spots from from back when. Uh, Let me put you on the spot again. Here. Oh man, <laughs> that's yeah, a like my question. favorite record is Hot Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I had a question from uh, from my friend Ben, who I mentioned earlier, but he wanted to know what you guys thought about the Vice documentary on Chief Keef. If you had, if you'd seen that, I've not seen that. You've not seen it. You should check it out. It's very interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't watch it either. Um, but Vice always has an interesting like spin on things. Uh, I mean, Chief Keep in general, you know, like is has made some amazing music, but is definitely like kind of on the the violence promoting side of things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't really, I can't really back that. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird thing. Like it's it's fascinating yet like harrowing at the same time. Like it's just a especially if you're from Chicago, like you just want. A, a positive light to be you know shined on your city at all times and it's definitely one of those ones that straddles that line of like art and negativity <laughs> that's why it's been nice to see this guy chance the rapper explode so much because he's very like and you know very anti-violence and, yeah you know, getting that message out right you know? so it's nice to have a balance to the chief keith right aspects <laughs> yeah um all right cool well is there anything uh in particular you guys want to uh you know i don't know whether it's your website or twitter name or whatever you want to kind of promote or give a little shout out for or whatever here um i always feel like such a radio dj at this point but i just always (laughs) want people to have a chance to like talk about let people know what they should check out or whatever i'd like to thank hot dogs for promotional support that they haven't (laughs) given us yet but maybe will after listening to this uh uh people should just know that they can uh all of the tracks that we make all the illegal bootlegs that we produce uh can be downloaded for free on the hoodinternet.com that's our website um I say a lot of dumb shit on Twitter at Hood Internet uh, is the is the title, and uh, you're really selling that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'll be honest. sure to go unfollow you guys right after this one. Yeah. I do a lot of great retweets, <laughs> um, and that's about it for for social networking that is even worth following anymore. <laughs> yeah, come to our shows in your city. Yeah, <laughs> and you can see all the shows on your uh, site too. Yep, right? yeah, tour dates up there. So you got Atlanta coming up, and uh, you guys have toured internationally too, a bit, right? We have done some shows in in South Korea and also Brazil, which have 
it's kind of like weird that it's been those two countries and not like Europe, which is usually an, a, a next step for, for artists. But right. uh, yeah. that, I mean, again, like kind of, you know, if you do something, something will happen. Like we started this website for fun to amuse ourselves and our friends and got to go like do DJ sets in South Korea and Brazil. So how awesome yeah, is geez. that? <laughs> That's amazing, man. Such a cool story. It's fun to hear, uh, hear from you guys and hear about kind of like just the humble beginnings of it, just goofing off and then just seeing what that can grow into if you end up, you know, taking it seriously and, and just like, uh, you know, doing it right and sticking with it. And I just think that's like, you know, I hate to even just like, you know, it's such an inspirational thing. I mean, it's, but like, it, it is a really cool thing. It's really fun. And, and it's, it's been a blast to watch your guys success and the album taco stuff is silly and goofy and, and, you know, just like weird. And as that's all been like, again, just like it ties right back into what you guys do. And, and just like, I look forward to the next, whatever the next album tacos is from you guys and whatever the next, uh, tracks you put out and it's just always fun to keep up with what you're doing so um and thanks for coming on i really appreciate having you guys we're wrapping up like right at when i think you guys have to check out of your hotel so <laughs> yeah we're a, we're a minute over so if we get charged for an extra day we're gonna have to bill that to your, to your podcast. <laughs> that's fine that's fine yeah Great. um i'll uh paypal uh, paypal at gmail.net is my uh that's, oh, okay. oh, yeah cool. just yeah. charge it to that yeah all right, so. sorry. <laughs> All right, cool guys. Well, hey, thanks a lot. Um, appreciate it, and uh, stay safe on your uh, on your tour here. All right, man. Get thanks, well. Man. Get well soon. 